Hey there, do you need to get some merch printed? My incredible sponsors over at Anchorfish Printing has a great deal going on right now. You can get 100 soft style shirts for only 499 bucks. Do the math. That's a great deal. For details, email michael at anchorfishprinting.com. You can also visit anchorfishprinting.com and see what else they have to offer. They are a one-stop shop for all your merch needs. And don't forget to mention the first ever podcast when you place your order. Hello and welcome to the first ever podcast. My name is Jeremy Bohm. I am your host. And if this is your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. My guest this week for episode 156 is Christina Michelle, the vocalist of Gougeway, current bass player of Nothing, uh, graphic design artist, all around awesome person. Longtime friend. I've had the absolute honor and pleasure of uh, working with Gougeway in the past. Uh, my label Secret Voice put out an EP for them, and then I co-produced their album Burnt Sugar way back when. Um, they went on a bit of a break when the pandemic hit, and they are back with a brand new song that came out in May called Idealized, and they have a, a new record in the works, or maybe it's already recorded. Maybe we talk about this in detail in this episode. This is a lot of fun. This is a long time coming. And it was timed pretty perfectly because they just got home from their first tour back. So it was fun to talk to her about that. Um, also worth mentioning, because I just did mention Secret Voice, my label. They just did shows with the band Slow Fire Pistol, who are from Atlanta. They're an incredible screamo band. And my label, Secret Voice, just released an EP. We did the cassette version. It's for their release, Radiant. It's fucking awesome. If you are a fan of screamo, you are absolutely going to love it. The 7-inch came out on Tiger. You can get an exclusive color variant of that from Secret Voice on Red Vinyl. And the cassette is limited to like 250 so go pick that up. Also, I want to let you know, if you are new here by chance, that there is a bonus episode available right now where Christina answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. A lot of great questions this week. Uh, so I appreciate everybody who did that. Um, if you want to hear that and also have the opportunity to submit questions to upcoming guests, please go to Patreon dot com slash the first ever patreon and hey if this is uh again your first time here please subscribe to the show on spotify apple wherever it is you're listening to this to people who have been listening for a while leaving a positive rating and review those things help a lot means a lot to me and it helps the show etc etc all right without further ado here is my conversation with the awesome talented hilarious kind veganist ruinist it's Christina Michelle. Hey, Christina. It's so nice to see you. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Yo, so you just got home from tour, and this is the first Gouge Away tour in, uh, since the pandemic, right? So how, how did it feel? How you, uh, the shows looked awesome. I mean, all the footage I saw looked really, really great. How was it for you? 
Um, crazy. Um, uh, we had no idea what to expect and it just was beyond all expectations. Uh, it was like kind of stressful and scary to get this going again, especially like uh, when we were touring so much, we did a lot of support. So it's just kind of like show up and uh, do your thing. But uh, this was like a headline. So we, I especially felt the pressure of like making sure the shows were good. <laughs> and uh, it was scary, <laughs> but it was all like amazing. So yeah. I feel like that, that what you're describing, I don't know if that ever goes away and if it does go away for people i want those people to fuck off but like you know what i'm saying like i think when you when you it's so hard to not ever still no matter how big or small your band is to not have that feeling of like looking behind the curtain to see if people are still in the audience when you're playing last you know oh, like yeah oh i hope people stay you know like <laughs> that feeling never goes away mm-hmm. I, yeah i like wish so badly this was like our first real time, like getting sent like ticket counts oh, sure. every week. And I w wanted to not care so bad, but it's like, particularly our first show back was going to be in Miami, which was intentional because that's where we're from. And that was the one that was selling the worst. And I was like, our home show, first show back, if this is bad, like <laughs> I'm going to have right. such a hard time. I'm going to be so embarrassed. But uh, it was all good. It was it was all great. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so you, we have so many inside jokes about that. Exactly what you're describing with like low ticket counts and whatever else where like, you know, I feel like anytime there's a show that has a really bad presale, someone in management, whether it's, you know, whomever, someone always just says, eh, maybe it's a walk up town. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Like, that's like the phrase <laughs> to make the person feel better. And often it is, you know, yeah. like, like, there's a lot of circumstances where the shows that do have low pre-sale, you come to find out it's like, yeah, because people there know that the show isn't going to sell out. So they feel comfortable knowing they could just buy a ticket at the door. You know, mm -hmm. they avoid, they avoid the extra charges of ticket fees and stuff by just knowing they can buy a ticket at the door. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so those things do play, but it, but as for the ego, it's always tough when you're looking at those numbers being like, wow, that says this show is 12% sold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, how long was it? Was it like a week about, or was it like 10 shows or something? It was nine shows. Yeah. That's nice. Awesome. Yeah. What was quick? What was your, what was your favorite one? Do you have one? My favorite one? Whoa, that's so hard. Was there um, one that like caught you, that really caught you by surprise? Philly, one hundred percent. Because every time we've ever played there, it's so boring. <laughs> <laughs> like just like, slow, like like not very like not a big reaction. Yeah, kind of like people just stand there with their arms crossed, and we're just like, "What is going on here?" Every single time, it was to the point where I almost wanted to skip Philly on this tour because I was like. I want to have a really fun tour. I don't want to have anything be like a bummer. Yeah. And that one, like, it was it was sold out. It was like, it was also during, um, this is hardcore. So another oh, yeah. reason to expect it to not really do great. And it yeah. sold out. Like, people went off and had so much fun. And even the people that worked at the venue were like, your crowd is amazing. They're just like, they're 
sweet and fun and like having a good time and respectful and I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's hard not to sort of think that because uh, I feel like your band is obviously in the same world as as ours and so many of the bands that we're all friends with where it's like we're sort of the opposite side of this is hardcore in a lot of ways. So like it gave all the kids that wouldn't be going to that festival something to do that weekend. So I'm sure they were so thrilled. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Actually, so. when we pulled up to Philly and we like ran out of the van really quick to get food, we ran into someone and they're like, hey, gouge away. I'm actually not going to your show. I'm going to This Is Hardcore. And I was like, oh, damn it. The one person. You met the one person. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, I know you did some of the shows with Slow Fire Pistol as you're wearing their shirt right now. Yeah. Was there, was, uh, were they, they were only on a handful, right? Yeah. Yeah. They did the first half with us. That's always tough when you, when you only get to do a couple shows with one band that you definitely love where you're like, ah. I wish you yeah. were just on the whole thing. 100%. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I feel, yeah, before, I guess before we get into anything, you know, a thing that I've always thought about Gouge Away when I think about this subject, which is, um, and I'm kind of preface this by saying there's probably nothing more boring or any, or uh, over talked about than the pandemic, but, and I try to avoid talking about it. But I when I think you. about, yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> no one wants to fucking hear about this. But when I think about the bands that were most affected by the pandemic, I think of bands that were at the size gouge away is where it's like you, your band was, was getting good attention. The record had come out. You were starting to, you know, just like be a very active band and then everything shut down and it's and it and it affected bands in that at that size so much because it was like you're just at that point where you're like do you quit your jobs or and take the band full time or do you have to keep your jobs and then maybe put the band on the back burner because you don't know what the future is going to hold you know so like when that became such a thing you guys were the first band i thought about where i was like <laughs> fuck like it's such a delicate situation for bands of your size so like for me it makes total sense that it took this long for the band to you know start playing shows again and wanting to do it obviously you were busy with nothing and everybody has you know tommy has angel dust everybody has things going on but like it makes sense to me for the band to have taken as long as it did to decide you know what let's let's go play shows again you know and i'm yeah. glad that it went so well you know, it makes me so happy to see that it went so well. Oh, yeah, me too. I was like, does any, is anyone going to care anymore? Like, <laughs> I feel just, it. There's just so many new bands and so many great things happening right now. You're just like, you know, will anyone care about this? <laughs> a thousand percent. I mean, you know, for better or worse, you know, a great and also like the double edged sword of this music that we all play is that there's a new band that comes out every three months that just like gets all of the attention in the entire world. And it's hard to keep people's attention. I mean, that's kind yeah. of a statement anyway, it's hard to keep people's yeah. attention period. But uh, I totally understand how you're feeling, but I think it's a testament to how awesome the band is and how good the music you guys have made is that people do care and they did remember and they did want to come see it. So I'm very happy. That's what I'm saying from, from an outside perspective, <laughs> it made me very happy. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, let's uh, let's get into all the all the fun first experience stuff. Um, I've known you now for almost ten years. I realized, which is Whoa. pretty crazy to think about. <laughs> I know, I know. I was doing the math on it. 
Um, we'll get to that in a second. But um, is Miami actually the hometown or is it like a suburb of Miami? I don't know if I know that actually. Uh, Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And that's where you're, that's born and raised. Mm-hmm. My whole okay. life. Yep. Your whole life <laughs> until you ended up moving to Orlando. Was that like, did it go like Fort Lauderdale, Orlando, now Portland? Is that like, yeah. The, the yeah. Move? Okay. Okay. I don't know if like you had time in Gainesville or anything like that. Like if that was ever a place. No. Okay. okay. Um, so growing up in Fort Lauderdale, I guess I'm curious, uh, when you were growing up, like what was the first thing that you connected with musically that felt like it was yours? Maybe not something that was being like played by, you know, your folks or something, but something that you found on your own that gave you a sense of identity. And I'm actually also, before I let you answer the question, uh, I know you have a sister that is also into, into a lot of music that is, uh, you know, so close in age. So I'm curious yeah. how much that potentially played a role into this. Um. Yeah, wow. <laughs> we were like enemies when it came to music. <laughs> that's actually wonderful in a lot of ways because it does make you strive for identity. So that's yeah. actually kind of a pro. Okay, so go ahead. That was exactly it. Like we didn't want to like anything that overlapped, but I was probably like the worst in that situation because I was older. Um, but yeah, everyone that I grew up with was very like, this is the band I found. Like, if you like it, you're copying me. Like, I grew up with that mentality, so I totally projected that onto my little sister. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, my first band, like, I remember I got this, like, compilation CD from Amp Magazine, um, oh, which isn't around anymore, and it was so cool. Um, but I got this, like, compilation sampler thing in it, and it had... Sigil Takes a Square on it. And a lot of cool bands. Um, I found this band Thought Riot on there and Against Me and stuff like that. Um, but Sigil Takes a Square was just like, what the hell is this? Yeah. And I was like completely roped into that. And no one I knew had ever heard of them. So I was like, this is mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you get to see them at all? I can't remember. Did you ever? Did you ever get to see them? I did a couple times. Um, they were from Atlanta, I think, or Savannah. Yeah. They're from Georgia. And Georgia, yeah. They're so close to Florida, but they almost never came down there. They played Jacksonville once. And I got my family, because I was so young, I got my parents to drive me up to Jacksonville, which is like maybe like seven hours or something yeah, from where that's I a, lived. That's a hike. <laughs> and like there's no one there. And... The band was even joking about how they lived closer to Jacksonville than like most Floridians live to Jacksonville. And I right. met them too. There was like 10 people there. So I got to meet them and I was like having the greatest day of my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think? It, <laughs> what do you think it was about Circle Takes the Square that you were drawn to? Was it like the chaoticness? Was it like the 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 really, really overdrawn like you know, uh, storytelling kind of lyrics? Like, what do you think it was that interested you? It was all of that. It was like, they incorporated all these like extra sounds other than just like the musicians playing. There was all these like textures. And I felt like every time I listened to the record, I heard something new and there was like chanting and there's like male vocals, female vocals and like the 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 lyrics too i was just like i can't even wrap my head around this 
<laughs> yeah, I can't remember what song it is. It's one of the first ones off as the roots undo, but uh mm-hmm. one of my favorite moments in aggressive music is the voice cracking. Yes. And all I ever asked was for a clean yes. break. <laughs> chill. Like, mo- <laughs> chill, truly. Like to this day, like I haven't, li- you know, it's been a while since I've listened to that song, but I like, I hear it so perfectly in my head. And that vulnerability in that voice cracking, like I feel like any, most bands would be like, okay, let's do another take of that. You oh, know, my yeah. voice cracked pretty tough, but it's so honest and it's so vulnerable that that was for me what made me love that band. That exact moment, the first time I heard it, I was like, I'm in. I'm yeah. so in. You uh-huh. know? <laughs> Funny enough, I um Drew, the the one of the singers in the band, just emailed me before we left for tour. Um, and I was bad and I just realized it took me forever to email him back. <laughs> but he's he has a new a new band, oh, a new shit. project thing called Drawn Bow, and it's super good. Like it's kind Ooh. of me without Yui, sort of like uh a little leonard cohen-y like just kind of acoustic in his vocals but is it like um, out yet it's on it's like he has out? a band camp it's on a band oh, cool. camp. Or, yeah yeah Damn. yeah i was i it's i was mad at myself that it took me so long to like open up yeah. the page and, and listen to it. it i think he said it to me literally like the day we were about to fly to europe and my brain was on fire so yeah i'm the worst at responding to everything so. <laughs> I never take well, it personally. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, then I feel very honored because I feel like I usually hear back from you within a day, most times. So I feel very honored to uh, to, yeah. to be in that echelon. <laughs> um, so this is something that, you know, I uh, to pull back the curtain on listeners, I usually, uh, I'll send the guests uh, the majority of the questions before we start. But something I, I just added on here, because I just uh, interviewed Ryan Patterson from um, like Coliseum and stuff like that the other day. And he's done a lot of album artwork and he works in graphic design and stuff. And I know that's something that you enjoy doing. So what I wanted to ask you was, do you remember maybe the first album cover that you saw that intrigued you that made me that made you maybe think about album art in a different way um I feel like I've my mom was is really creative um so I feel like I've always had that mind of just like picking things apart like no matter what album cover what it is I just would try to break it down in my head and be like how did this get made what came first whatever whatever um Maybe it's just because we talked about Serial Takes a Square a lot, but that album cover was so cool. And the fact that Drew also illustrated all of that, like something about that band just feels like, I don't like they don't miss a detail. And I really appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. From my memory, isn't all of the lyrics like handwritten to on I the inside? I think so. And it's I like in a very... A very particular kind of like to, I mean he who knows if he ended up making some sort of a, a typeface for it but like it's it's pretty striking for sure <laughs> um that's interesting that you talk about how you look at something so when you're saying from you're saying from maybe the designer point of view like if you look at an album cover you're thinking about like what what do you think the first steps were yeah that led them <laughs> to starting to do that okay mm-hmm. that's interesting um do you find yourself doing that same sort of like when someone asks you to design something for them, if you're being hired to do something like that, do you like 
uh them giving you some sort of direction or do you like to maybe listen to whatever it is that it is and kind of come up with your own direction i've been out of the game for a couple months because i've been busy um i actually am just working on my first project back right now um i like when i get some direction some input because everyone like i don't know like i feel like you could look at what i do and be like I like what you make, do anything, and I could totally miss because I'm like, well, I like this about what I do. Um, but you might like something I'm not even like think, considering, you know, so. Totally. Some of my like most popular things I've posted are ones I like don't get. I'm just like, I don't really care for that at all. <laughs> Isn't it funny how that seems to always work that way? The thing yeah. that you believe in less is the least is the thing that people want to talk to you about or do or whatever comment yeah. on. Yeah. But um, I like the collaborative like aspect of it. I like knowing what people like so I can like start their stuff. Totally. Totally. Uh, it's, it was funny. There's one designer that I had hired to do something for one of the projects and something that I really appreciated was in, in like the terms of his work, he was basically like, you get one round of notes. That's it. Ooh. <laughs> Which I was like, respect on that, yeah. you know, cause I, I can imagine. Boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, like as someone who's never designed anything, like I can imagine that can be sometimes a bit of a tough thing where someone maybe comes to you very excited to do your to do work with you and then after a bunch of comments and rounds you're just like well why didn't you just do this like yeah yeah (laughs) i can imagine that gets tough um okay so i don't know were you someone who was uh like buying cds when you were younger or were you in the download era like would you remember the first album that maybe you bought with your own money I have tried to think about this so hard. I have no idea. Okay. Um, but I I was a big CD buyer. Uh, there was like a used CD store I would go to all the time with my parents. Um, Is it still around? Cassettes. I don't think so. I don't mm. think they made it. Um, yeah, I, I had cassettes too. I remember having the Macarena on cassette. Okay. <laughs> That's a that's a strong first. I mean, that's a strong first cassette. Like, so were you buying like singles then? Like the the just like the the um the actual song just on a on like a the like two song cassette, or were you or did you buy the album? Um, it's just kind of a mix of things. My parents also liked like Nirvana, like lots of metal, classic rock, and stuff. So I also. I think that might be why I can't remember the first CD I bought because like we shared. <laughs> that's really cool, actually. Yeah. That's that's awesome <laughs> that you all had that interest. I'm glad that it didn't turn you away from that stuff. You know, a lot of times what your parents listen to makes you not interested, but you actually were down with what they were into. Um, I really gravitated towards like grunge and stuff like that, but the classic rock stuff I did not understand. have you come around to any of it now that you're a bit older yeah I can't like I I'm not interested in knowing like I don't know the who sings what and who did what I'm not like super interested in that but like I 
a few years ago discovered that I absolutely love Journey. (laughs) 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 Hell yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. More than just like the, the more than a feeling song. Are you like down with the record? I, yes, I'm very much down. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's, I was watching that's documentaries and stuff. I was like, I feel like my dad. Oh, that's awesome. Um, okay, so what was the first concert you went to? Um, concert or show? Uh, I know there is a difference. Um, <laughs> let well, what came first? Was it a sh- was it like a local show? The first was a concert when I was young. I saw Christina Aguilera and Destiny's Child. <laughs> Banger. Yeah, my mom took me. It was a surprise. And uh, my first show was in eighth grade. My friend, my friend's brother was playing about all the bands. So we went to go support him. And then I fell in love. Like with just like that kind of energy, like, like, did you have that eye-opening like wow anyone like you can just do this like was it that sort of an attraction to it yeah and like I was in eighth grade so I was pretty young so all the people playing were a little bit older than me but it just felt like wow like this is like I don't know I've never seen like that the music side bands and musicians felt so far away and like behind a screen I guess I don't know but yeah um, yeah yeah no, yeah. I, I I have sort of a similar thing where I think the first time that I ever saw any sort of live music was at a battle of the bands um, at the high school that I ended up going to. But I was still in junior high and there was a like a band from our area that was like kind of like a gothy band and they were called God Out of the Machine. And I remember just like being so stunned and, I, and I'll bet it was fucking terrible, but like to my you know, seventh or sixth grade brain, my, I was, I couldn't believe it. You know, like I was the first time seeing someone that wasn't some big rock band on a big stage that where it felt so unattainable. Like, I'm like, you're, you can just do this in the high school auditorium. Yeah. Yeah. It was so cool. It was like a, a disgusting, crappy, like stinky. Um, I don't know if you've ever been there, uh, Pompano Indoor Skate Park. Also oh, known as Piss. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think I've missed Piss, unfortunately. Yeah, it was a long time ago, but um, yeah, like I saw like uh, the number twelve looks like you, and like remembering never there. But other than that, I don't know if like any other current band would like have sure. there. <laughs> was number twelve a Florida band? I don't know where they're from. Yeah, I was gonna. I just I, I was, saw them. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, sure. No, I was, well, what I was gonna say is like I was wondering if that was like maybe a spot for where like the localish bands played because I re- remember yeah. never being a Florida band, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So, okay, interesting. That's really funny. Um, piss. The fact that it is just casually yeah. known as that is incredible. Yeah, it was um, pretty disgusting, but it was like our. It was like heaven for a kid. <laughs> I want to tell you about Persistent Vision Records. They are a brand new label that has hit the ground running. They've just reissued two records from Screamo Legends, page 99, the singles collection, as well as document number eight, which is an all-time personal favorite of mine. 
but they're not just doing reissues. They've also just released a split between Habak and Lagrimas, who are two bands that I've absolutely got my eye on that are so good. You can order these great releases directly through PersistentVisionRecords.com or through DeathWishInc.com. Give them a follow on Instagram at PersistentVisionRecords so you don't miss out on what's coming next. So, look, you play, you've been playing bass and nothing, which is incredible. Um, was bass the first instrument that you played? Or when you were younger, did you have any instruments that you played? Like, were you ever in, like, school band or anything playing, like, a horn instrument? <laughs> um, my first instrument was drums. Um, somewhere in middle school, I don't remember the age. And I had, like, a little garage band with my friends. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So wait, so like you, it wasn't like for a school thing, like you had like a kit and that sort of a deal. Did you take drum lessons? I did take drum lessons every single weekend. I saved up money to buy my own kit with my allowance. And I think like the very last of it was like a gift. And uh, I, I remember like, no, everyone kind of thought it would like, like, really? Like, you want to play drums? Like, are you sure? Like, where yeah. did this come from? Like, that doesn't make sense. I don't even know where it came from, but I really wanted to. And uh, I got the drum set, like, the last bit of it as a gift. And then my parents went out to eat. And by the time they came home, it was all set up in the living room. And they're just like, damn, like, you are serious. Okay. <laughs> like, wow. That was cool. Yeah. yeah. So how long did you end up playing before you you put it to the side i played probably for like maybe like four years um the main reason i stopped was like i had a health condition i started getting blood clots in my arm so i couldn't physically play the drums anymore and then uh just became like moved into an apartment like just yeah. life started happening and then i got into singing so totally totally do you still have the kit somewhere like in storage no I, I just sold it recently like i've been hanging on to it for so long i actually played in a couple bands um sim says i was the first drummer for insignificant other i can't remember if that's true or not but i played a Wait, filled in a couple band? times for bands <laughs> was that band originally from florida i don't know if i knew that yeah wow okay all right, well then what was the yeah, then tell me what was the first band you were in? You said you, you had like garage band. So like what was what was the first band you did? Um, just some funny little garage band, I don't know, being like middle schoolers. I hated Green Day and all the bass player wanted to do was cover Green Day. So we had a lot of artistic differences. <laughs> it was trouble from the start. <laughs> That's amazing. So were you, was the band just basically doing cover songs or were you also writing originals? We were trying our hardest to write originals. Yeah. 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 Was that the first band that you played a show with? Like, did you do a, like a battle of the bands with that band or anything? Not even. Uh, I think the most we might've played was like someone's birthday or something. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what was it? Did, it? did the band have a name? Cause I need to know it. Oh my god, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> I love. I mean, that's, that's that's what we do here. That's what we do here. 
Wow, unlocking a deep, dark memory. I think it was called The Plight of April. That feels very of the time. That sounds like a metalcore band of... It of, does. Yeah, but the fact that your bass player is like, nah, Green Day. Yeah. Is, is pretty great. We had um, no idea. Yeah. Okay, so then did you play a good amount of shows as a drummer for a while? Like, did you... Was that like a, a, a pretty consistent thing for you? Um, It wasn't really. Like, I, I had a... A few years right i couldn't play drums yeah um and then i like kind of was trying to rediscover that and get back into it. that's when i would play with insignificant other um i don't know i would try to like i don't know i'd do things here and there but i was also like so shy and like to play drums at a show you got to be like really confident and yeah. confident in yourself <laughs> to be very loud and yeah, I don't, I don't know. We would like kind of try to start punk bands here and there. And you know how it is starting a band yeah. too. Sometimes you just, people flake out and like, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> totally, totally. So uh, I'm curious, what, do you ever sit behind the kit now and just like have fun and like, can you still keep up? Like what's your, what's your drum relationship these days? Whoa, I don't, I don't really do it too much anymore. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have, I guess I could always go to where Tommy practices, but I don't know. Yeah, it's just we like, yeah, to... <laughs> gouge away practice. You never, you never just get bored, sit behind there and just make a little noise. Uh, not, not, not enough. That's like notable, I guess. But we went to a guitar center on a nothing tour once and I jumped on a kit and Nikki, who cannot play drums to save his life and he'll back me up on that was like, wow, you're, you might be better than I am. I was like, I'm definitely better than you are. <laughs> like, thanks, brother. Thank you, man. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for the vote of confidence. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Uh, yeah, well, I'm curious what, if, uh, what your take on this is where, so like I never, you know, my brother was always a drummer. So there was always a kit in the house and I would always kind of, you know, goof around on his kit when he wasn't around stepbrother style where I would you know go in and <laughs> play his kit when I wasn't supposed to and um I think though that my sort of familiar ability to sort of like you know I, I I'm never I've never been good enough to play in a band but like I can get by just like hashing out an idea but what I'm getting at is I'm curious if your time playing drums you think has helped you with songwriting like is it easier for you to like sort of come up with an idea or like explain an idea as you, because you have that in your DNA? I think so. And it definitely helped when it came to learning bass. Yeah. Do you tell? <laughs> Just, I, I feel like the bass and drums are so closely related. Sometimes I almost feel like I'm playing drums when I'm mm. playing bass, it's, I don't, it's weird to explain. Um, but the first, the very first practice I had with nothing, the drummer at the time was Ben Mead. And like he was, we were locked in immediately. And I feel like if I didn't have a drum background, like that would have been harder to get right. to a harder place to get to. Right. So, I mean, we can kind of get into that. I guess this, this a little bit now, what, how did, what was the path that led you to eventually playing with nothing? I don't know if I even know that. Um, during the 
pandemic times, uh, I was, I always wanted to learn guitar or bass. They're kind of interchangeable to me personally. Um, I always wanted to learn, but didn't have the time. So I used that time to learn guitar. Um, and one of the songs I wanted to learn was Catch a Fade by Nothing. And when I was like warming up to it, I told Nikki, which was like a very vulnerable moment. Cause I was like, should I tell him? This is like probably silly, but I was like, yeah. I don't know. It's a compliment at the same time. Yeah. So I just like hit him up and I was like, I'm learning guitar and I'm learning Catch a Fade. And he was just like, we need a bassist to fill in for a European tour. I'm going to hit you up soon. Like, would you be interested? And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I like, don't, I didn't own a bass. I would like use Tommy's bass. And um, I kept reiterating to Nikki. I was like, I don't play bass and I, I've never done this live. I like really don't know what I'm doing. And he's just like, it's fine. Like I'll teach you. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, that, that says a lot about how, I mean, that vote of confidence is awesome that I think it speaks to um, how you're a very easy person to be around because to just like invite a stranger, not a stranger, <laughs> you've obviously toured, you toured with, you toured with nothing in the past, but like to invite somebody who, you know, is being very honest about their abilities and them just being like, no, we want you to do this is, it's pretty awesome. That's like, that had to yeah. have felt pretty good. Yeah, it just felt like something that's like, I can't say no to this. This is, this is weird as hell. <laughs> like, Can you tell me about your, <laughs> tell me about the first set you played with nothing and how it was for you? Yeah, it was uh, so scary. It was in Czech Republic. But also at the same time, I feel like my first tour being a European tour, it was like, I don't really know that many people out there. So it wasn't like in America where it's like you're playing to people who know me and right. probably have heard of Gaudway or are my friends or are my family. And I feel like that's a lot more pressure. Where in Europe, I feel a lot more anonymous. Um, so that took some pressure off, but I was still so nervous. And Nikki was just like, you worked really hard to be here. Like, you're going to do fine. And like, that was exactly what I needed to hear. And then we did it. And it went, we, nothing plays for an hour. It went by so fast and I'm sure I was sloppy and not that good, but it was like, I was like, I just have to have fun. Like I can't, yeah. I can't like, I'm going to be sloppy. I'm going to, I'm going to mess up. Like that was 100% going to happen. So just like have fun doing it and then people right. will have fun. <laughs> That's amazing. I also don't think I put it together that that was your first European tour. That's right. Cause Gadjoy never got to do like a full. We Europe, did right? a, you did we did UK, a few right? little things. We did a little bit of Europe, okay, and the UK, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> but not to the extent that nothing did. I mean, I remember, no, <laughs> I remember. I felt like I felt like nothing was on tour in Europe, like almost back to back for like so long, right? Didn't you do like a really long one, and then you went home for a, like a yeah, very short amount like, of time? Uh huh. <laughs> and then you went right back. Wait, because I saw yeah. you at we, we saw you at Outbreak, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And like you had just done a tour and then you guys were going right back, right? Yeah. It was oh very long. 
it was like exhibit doing like that oh we heard you like touring europe well here's some more touring europe uh, yes <laughs> that's that's super crazy but as time went on did you find yourself like being able to have more fun and sort of like disconnect from being being you know as hard on yourself about like getting the parts right and just like eventually lock yeah. in and i just it's all like I feel like it's your own personal approach to that stuff too. Like you could beat yourself up or you could say this is a learning experience. And just like ev after we played every day, they're like, you messed up here. This part's like this. You forgot that. And I'd be like, okay, I'm taking notes. Like tomorrow will be better. You know, it's like, don't take it so, so hard. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And as, and as long as like that is being told to you in a way that, doesn't make you feel bad about yourself and you can just take it as as like constructive that's great yeah. too you yeah. know um okay let's go back and let's let's, let's travel Ooh, back again yeah. <laughs> so when did you so when uh so what was the motivation for you to start singing in a band like was and was Gaujaway the first band that you sang in Gaujaway is the first band that I sang in and I I think it was just like I fell so in love with going to shows that just became all I did outside of school and stuff um, and work. And I think just like the energy of shows just like started pushing me to the front, started pushing me to singing along, pushing me to try to grab the mic, try to like, you know, like I kept like kind of getting more and more comfortable. And then I just like wanted, I was just like, I need to start a band. Like I just want to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the people that, because I mean, Gaujaway has gone through a lot of members, like from when yes. it started to where it is now. <laughs> um, was the people that were the original iteration, were they people that you had played with in any other capacity? Or was this like a start from scratch, sort of like new experience with with new people? Totally a new experience. Um, I'd say the closest thing to playing together was just that like Mick was in a band that I would like see all the time and I would jump up and sing parts with them and that was like the extent yeah. of what we ever did together before Gaudi. Sure. Okay. Okay. What uh since you know one of the questions is what was the first show you ever played? It sounds like the bands that you played drums and kinda uh did play, but I guess I'll ask what was the first Gouge Away show? Um we we're very, very new and excited, and we just like jumped on a show during the show, and we're like, "Can we play three songs? It'll take less than two minutes." And they're like, yeah. "Okay." <laughs> just like hopped on that band yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> and so what, like and, funny. <laughs> and what did that feel like for you? Like was 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 doing it in like hearing your voice back in a PA in that sort of capacity? Like, what did it do to you? How did it feel? It's like so scary, but like so much adrenaline and like I literally like couldn't look up like I'm like looking at my feet or looking at the drums like literally can't look anyone in the face, but it it's just like it's so much excitement. It's like so many things at once coming out. Yeah, no, I feel that. Um did it take you some time to like get more confident in terms of being a front person, you know, like facing the crowd and like all that sort of stuff? I mean, I, I just even thinking back not to put you, you know, on the spot, but like I remember the first time I saw you all play, I think it was a program and I and 
seeing your evolution from like that first time seeing you to, you know, seeing you later on was always exciting to see, you know, as like a fly on the wall, just sort of like a, a spectator and seeing your confidence grow over time was something that I always really appreciated. Um, how, how do you think about that now that, you know, it's, it's been some time, like, what do you think about yourself as a vocalist and that evolution? Yeah, I don't feel like I got comfortable playing at all until this past year. <laughs> Anything bef like 2019 and earlier, I was like, never comfortable. Um, I feel like I might have gotten a little better at faking it. Hmm. What do you, I mean, <laughs> not, we don't, we don't have, we don't have to get too deep into this, but like, what do you think you attribute that to? Was it, is it just that, is it there like that delicate balance between like, this is something you like to do. It's like, you know, you're getting to express yourself and, and do this with your friends, but also like just stage fright. Is it like stage fright? Would you say? Oh yeah. I mean, I definitely had horrible stage fright and I used to reference how like, I like, barely didn't fail like public speaking in college like I hate <laughs> I hated any attention at all on me um yeah. so to be on a stage in front of people is it's like wild that I would even like attempt to do that and I don't it's like really weird that music pushes us to these really uncomfortable places that you're like I can't believe I'm doing this at all <laughs> but um no, yeah. I mean, I, I get that. I get that one thousand percent. I mean, public speaking is absolutely terrifying. Like I'm uh -huh. with you with thousand percent. Giving a book report in class, forget it. That's like the scariest <laughs> shit ever. Like it was always scary. Um, so I, I completely, I completely understand it. But I also understand what you're saying, where you're like, yeah, music drives you to, to want to do it because as soon as you have that microphone, like as much as you are sort of the person that's being looked at, like it is still sort of that idea. I mean, especially if you have a band with you too, it's like you sort of have them on your side at least to where it's mm -hmm. like, Hey, if I go down, we're going down together. Sort of an, sort yeah. of a feeling, you know? Mm -hmm. um, interesting. So what was the first time that you ever recorded? And was that when you were playing drums? The first time I recorded was vocals for Gouge Away. It was for a demo and it was so uncomfortable. Uh <laughs> okay, so because because it can it can get a little um not as straightforward when you look at your release history. So in twenty the band did the band start in twenty thirteen or was it before that? I think it was around twenty thirteen, yeah. So in that same year there's a there's a release called Still Bored and then there's Focus Your Anger, the cassette. Which came first? Still bored. Okay. I can't believe we're talking about this. <laughs> oh, we. <laughs> I mean, this is this is your fault for keeping a band together for uh, you know, know ten years. Um, so, so that was so that was the first time recording that that release. Yeah. Yeah. It was in a hot Florida warehouse where the engineer. It was like the cheap guy that every every small band went to. Totally. Um, uh, but the engineer, uh, he built a vocal booth out of like plywood, no ventilation, no airflow, nothing in a hot warehouse already. And 
it was just horrible. I was like dying to get out of there. I also had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just wanted it to be over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The first time doing it is always so scary because you're hearing yourself back for the first time. Like you're unfamiliar. There's people there that are like witnessing you do this and like mm -hmm. you're so on the spot. It's like all those nightmares kind of come to life. Plus you're also in like a a hot box as you're describing yeah like literally a sauna yeah how uh how long did you did you do have to do a bunch of takes or did you do enough where you're like I, that's it I got it I I don't even know if I did a bunch of takes because I it was a mix between being so uncomfortable and so scared I think I was just like yep that's good keep going like <laughs> right yeah. yeah how long <laughs> How long were you all a band before you went and recorded? Oh, uh, probably a couple months. It, yeah. it was probably literally just like, we wrote these songs last week. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, it's so funny how time moves at such a different pace, especially then or when bands start and all that sort of stuff. Like what, do you remember sort of like what the timeline was between when the band started, you recorded versus when you hopped on and played that show? Like, had you recorded yet when you hopped on and played that show? I I feel like the show might have come first. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um and then so it, so as I said like in that same year there's that focus your anger cassette. Was that something that like you guys just wrote more songs were like fuck it let's go record more songs? Yeah, and they're supposed to just be demos for us and then we're like let's put it out. <laughs> so Again, who knows if this is misinformation on Discogs, but is the cassette literally limited to 15? Is there literally only 15 of those? There might be. I definitely don't have one. That's crazy. Yeah. That's wild to think about. It's, it's so funny to admit, to just think like, oh, only there's going to only be 15 people that want these, you know, yeah. and four of which are members of the band. You know, obviously yeah. you say you don't have one, but. Like, I better not keep one in case we can make four dollars off of this right yeah. <laughs> i mean that also sounds like you were dubbing them yourselves you know like you're not yeah. sending off to a pressing plant to make 15 tapes yeah. yeah did you did you make the art for either of those um the first one yes uh still bored i did and then um the other one was like a photo, like a local person took. And then I just like added the text over it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. If I'm doing this correctly, you and I met uh, in July of 2014. Does that That's sound right? That's crazy. I can't uh, believe that. Because if I'm, <laughs> we met at the new Brooklyn Tavern, right? In yeah, South, South Carolina. Carolina. Right. Yeah. So you were on tour with your sister who was playing music. Mm -hmm. And I think if I remember correctly, uh, she was playing somewhere nearby and yeah. you all were just like, Oh, like we'll just swing by the show or whatever. And I met you and we just happened to meet outside and chatted it up. Uh -huh. And <laughs> for whatever reason, this friendship formed, you know, like obviously <laughs> you, two, you two made a, 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 an awesome enough impression that I was like very excited to become friends with you two. <laughs> Um, I remember getting uh, her music, which was awesome. And then it was like you and I had kept in touch. And then eventually you ended up sending me whatever Gouge Away was doing. 
And I remember mm-hmm. I was just like so excited. I think it was maybe like a, was it a digital single potentially? Oh yeah, it was. I forgot about that. Cause, uh, hold on. That's, um. Disease. We like scraped that from the internet, I thought. <laughs> but yeah, that would have been, I think it would have been, cause yeah, that looks like that came out June 2014. So that makes sense that that would have been the first thing that I heard. I remember just like being excited, you know, like it's awesome. Just like, here's these two sisters who play wildly different music, but they're obviously very, uh, you know, interested in doing all this. I don't know. It was just like, it was something that just struck me. And like, there's certain times I'm sure you've had, you've had this yourself where like you meet somebody on tour and something about them just makes you be like, Oh, that's someone I want to just like be friends with still. You know what I'm saying? Like both, both, both of you had that impact. Um, and I'm so glad that you did because, you know, you're still two people that I enjoy catching up with when I see you. And, you know, we, you and I obviously ended up working together more than your sister and I. But, um, yeah, so I remember being so excited when I first heard Dies, which came out obviously like a year and a half later. And just like how fully formed the band had become. Granted, you know, that's like very band- nice of you to say. <laughs> I mean, it. I mean, I absolutely mean it. I mean. Uh, I know obviously the band changed a lot of directions, changed members and all that sort of stuff. But like, you know, even from the stuff that was we've previously talked about with Gouge Away to Dies, like that's like a, a pretty big jump in like songwriting and like just sonic sound and just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like for you going in to record that record? Were you more confident at least going into recording that record? It sounds um... like you were. Uh, more confident, but not, not very confident. Okay. You're really (laughs) good at pretending then. Oh, cool. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, how long did that record take? Like, were you in the studio for like a longer amount of time? It was all like, we all paid for it out of pocket. So we had to do it as fast as possible. And I was... one one thing that really stands out to me on that record and probably why I don't love it is I was also a teacher at the time and I was teaching kindergarten. So I was like, on weekends, I'm recording a record where I'm screaming and then all week I'm talking as my job and I had no like recovery time. So whenever I hear that, that's all I hear. <laughs> is like, like you hear that like, oh, on Monday, my voice was blown out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> interesting 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 um by the way i mean like if you're cool talking about it for a second like i find it really cool and interesting that you were a kindergarten teacher especially considering you know you talking about how you don't like being on the spot but obviously you're like teaching a class full of kids obviously talking to kids is easier than talking to adults but like yeah. um <laughs> what what drove you to want to do that and do you miss it um always want to be a teach a teacher ever since I was a kid like probably like kindergarten I was like I want to be a teacher um and I do miss it a lot it's just it's such a messed up profession I don't really see myself going back um if it was like the I don't know if it was the job I thought it was I would probably still be doing that right now mm-hmm no, yeah yeah that makes sense. That makes sense. Because um, you did that for kind of a while, right? It was a couple years? Yeah, three years. Wow. Yeah. Did you, 
was it did you have a pretty um were you able to kind of come up with your own things in your, the curriculum or were you like kind of told like this is what you have to teach every week um we did have to follow a set curriculum but i always try to make it fun um yeah i like decorate the room or like try to find songs related to because i i knew as a kid i always learned through songs like i i still know like the multiplication tables songs that i learned in like yeah. third or fourth grade um so i would always try to incorporate music <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome um and so what was the first tour that you ever did because i know that you went on tour but not playing music like you did merch or something or like did you tm before what was the story there um i used to book local shows which then turned into booking like diy tours for my friends and my only payment was let me go with you so yeah i kind of i was like tming without having any idea what TMing was. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's what most people do, at least when they start out. You know what I'm saying? They're just like, no, yeah, I'll totally tour manage. And then you're like, uh, do I just yeah. have to ask a promoter for money at the end of the night? Is that, and just hope that they give me enough? Yeah. <laughs> um. So what then, what was your first time touring? My first tour was 2019 or 2009. Nine, sorry. yeah. 2009 so I was 19 yeah. and I went out with my friends like ska punk band okay and mm -hmm. how far how long was the tour like how far did you go um it was an east coast thing I Connecticut stands out in my memory but other than that I don't I don't really remember it obviously yeah. <laughs> gave you some. It obviously, you know, gave you the bug a little bit because if it's a thing where like you say that's your payment for booking something, like let me go with you, you yeah. know, like <laughs> what was it? Was it like a? Was it you wanting to just sort of like see the country? Was it you just wanting to get out of Florida? Like what was, what was a driving thing for you? You think? Uh definitely getting out of Florida. Um, I. I don't know. Something about growing up in South Florida is just like a lot of people just want to get out. Um, it's fucking far. I, it's far it's down there. Far. It's so far. And it's like really regressive. Um, and it every my first I feel like each tour that I did and the more I got to see of the country, even if it was just like little bits at a time. It just felt kind of like, oh, there's more out there and there's more people who think like me out there. I'm not stuck in like this situation. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> um, and I mean, when I so when I met you, you were on tour with your what would you say that you touring with your sister was you uh, being older sister like protective or was it like like uh oh, I'm just going to do merch for you or something like that. Like, because I imagine it's tough uh, not wanting to do the protective thing. Yeah, it was, it was both. Yeah. We also like did not get along at all. Like for most of our life until just the past few years. So the fact that we went on tour together was like, 
that I think is, <laughs> speaks perfectly to a fan, to like a sibling relationship, though. You know, where you're like, yeah. we don't get along, but I'm going to go on tour with you. Yeah. <laughs> Looking for an extraordinary coffee? Look no further than Heartwork Coffee. With eight years of excellence and proudly roasting in the vibrant city of San Diego, California, visit heartworkcoffeebar.com to explore a wide range of single origin and blended coffees to suit your taste preference. On a personal note, co-founder Rob Moran has played in so many bands that have inspired me personally, like Unbroken and Some Girls, for example, and it's been amazing watching Heartwork thrive all these years. The coffee is amazing, and I'm thrilled to support this company. Once again, visit heartworkcoffeebar.com to place an order. That is H-E-A-R-T work coffeebar.com. So how much touring did Gouge Away do before... I guess you and I started working together. Was there much touring? Like, did uh, did you guys tour much on dies? No, we just did a couple. Like, I think the most we did was a couple East Coast things. Okay, maybe a short little West Coast thing. I remember my first time going to the West Coast was a huge deal because I never thought I would do that. But we first linked up in like 2016. Yeah. I think that sounds right. Which is the year Dyes came out, I think. Right, right, right. And then, because then it's so hard to like remember back. When we did the shows together with Ceremony, that was also pre, was that pre the 7 inch on Secret Voice? I think it was, right? Yeah, yeah. Or like around that same time. It was pre. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I don't, you yes, know yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know what's funny is like I don't I don't know that I was very involved with like the the production side of like the recording of those two songs, but I saw you went to someone named Ethan Murphy. What was the and he had done stuff with Axis before and whatever. Like what was the connection there and what was the like how was recording those two songs for that seven inch? I think it was just like the Axis connection because they recorded a whole record with him and um, had a good experience. I went there for one day and met him and he's just like such an easygoing, sweet guy that it was like kind of a no-brainer and he's in Florida, so it was easy. Um, And the experience was good. Um, It, someone made this connection where uh, it's like, we had a member change on this seven inch and it's like the one side swallow is the old lineup and then sweat is the new lineup. And it's like, you're literally flipping that seven inch over to the new gouge way. And it, it's strange. It's cool. <laughs> wow. I don't even know if I realized that. I mean, I knew that the band had gone through members. I had met previous members that were in the band and like, I remember there being a lot of stressful situations involving that. Um, so I applaud you all for sticking it out and, you know, like making the band work one way or another, you know, and grow and like sonically grow. Like, I love when you can hear that evolution in any band, you know, where though things have changed and, and the sound of a band changes or whatever, you can still tell that there are elements like you and Mick are obviously like the core elements of what makes this band the band. You know what I'm saying? 
Um, and uh, I mean, I remember getting when you sent me those songs, I, I was just like so excited and getting so excited to like get to be a part of 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 any of that. Um, and then when it came to to burnt sugar, I mean, like for me, it, that's like a fun first experience. Like it's my only time I've ever really hands-on worked with a band and I want to, you know, like years later, once again, say, you know, thanks for giving me that opportunity to even have any sort of like small part of that record. You know, that, that was really, that was, I was so nervous. I don't know if you realize how nervous I was. I had no so, idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think all of us were nervous. <laughs> like, it's so funny, like, so for, you know, for, for listeners who maybe don't realize, it's like with Burnt Sugar, like I had flown out to, to Orlando um, to sort of just like hang out with you all. And it's so funny, who someone who I just talked to the other day, oh, uh, Didi from MS Paint was talking okay. about how, how normal it is for bands to just rehearse in a storage space, uh -huh. like how you all did. And they're like, oh yeah, that's a normal thing, you know. Like people just be like opening up the, <laughs> opening up, opening up the gate, and then just like in the middle of this very corporate storage unit to just practice. And I was just so blown away. I remember just walking into where you all practiced at the time and just being like, I can't believe this is allowed. Like this is so I know fucking crazy to me. We couldn't um, even fit in there. We had to sit in the hallway. <laughs> yeah, it was so impressive. Um, but yeah, so I had flown out to Orlando and then the idea was like, yeah, I'll like, you know, hang out with you all for a couple of days and we'll just kind of go through these songs and 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 all of that. Um, and, you know, I was so nervous about I hope I'm able to at least, you know, make some sort of uh, impact. I mean, for me, uh, the driving force of me wanting to do it was the song Ghost, you know, like when I was on tour with you all and you were starting to debut that song live and play that song live. For me, I was like, this song is so fucking good, but oh, I just wish they would just extend this one part. Like I had this in yeah. my brain. I was like, I was like, this song has so much goddamn potential. But like, I, I also was like, they also probably don't want to hear an outside perspective of like, hey, like the song's really good, but like, I wish you would just do this thing. It's like, but I'm so thankful that you were so nice enough to let me sort of come in and make some suggestions like that because it was a lot of fun for me. It was so awesome. And we still talk about it all the time. Like, the two main things was Ghost, making it longer. Like, we were so scared of that song. Like, we were, we were terrified of that song. And then you, like, pushed us to, like, own it and be like, no, like, revisit, do another verse. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> and we just, we played it on this tour and we're like, Ghost is so short. I can't believe we were trying to get away with it being even shorter. Like, that's wild. And... The second one was Hey Mercy. I remember we all thought that was like a throwaway song. And you're like, no, this is the song. And now that's like maybe my favorite one. And oh, I, that's awesome. We might have thrown it away, you know? Yeah. So, it's yeah. so funny how that is. I, I don't know if I use this as an example at the time, but somewhere I could probably find it. But like the original version of our <laughs> song Home Away From Here is so short it's like 35 seconds long what it, it, it literally like that might be an exaggeration it's definitely under a minute long and it basically just does like verse chorus outro it's so fucking short wow and and when we sent that to ed rose who produced that record 
uh, like we sent him a bunch of demos or like, you know, probably like shitty iPhone or whatever. I don't know. That's pre iPhone. I don't know how we recorded them. Anyway, uh, he was basically like, look, I don't know you guys personally. I don't know what your band is, but like, I'm telling you this right now, you absolutely need to repeat a couple <laughs> of these parts. Cause like, you're, he's like, your band is so abrasive, but this is the one song that actually has a hook in it. So you need to at least do that twice. Kind of. A yeah. Thing. That's and- ghost. That's ghost. And it's one of those things where it's like, it's hard to sort of see the forest for the trees sometimes, you know, where you're so used to a specific thing. And I also know how hard it is for that first time to have, I don't know if it was your first time having anyone sort of make suggestions like that because you had already previously recorded. But I know what it can feel like to have an outside perspective kind of come in and sort of rattle things up. And like, you know, maybe there's certain members that aren't as open to that idea. So like, again, I, you know, from now years removed i'm still so thankful to have had that experience with you all because it taught me a lot about it too where it's like you know it's half of i feel like the job is trying to convince somebody that something it can go a certain way you know it's like it's it's a lot of like it's a lot of um uh almost like minor debate club where you're like let me prove to you let me explain to you why i think this is a good idea and you watch everyone's sort of like body language and then you sort of have to be like okay maybe i'm going to kick back on that idea because i can tell that these two aren't as into that kind of a deal yeah yeah and that's Uh, like how band practice is too even just among the the members it's like let me prove to you let's just try it let's try it please let me can we yeah. try it and then you can tell me it's bad? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I feel like uh, it may, like I always, I immediately, I loved, I've always loved Tommy. He's one of my favorite people in the entire world. Um, I know you can relate to that. <laughs> and, uh, but I remember specifically in that environment, cause I was so nervous and Tommy was the one in particular who like any dumb idea or like suggestion that I had, he was the first person to be like, let's, let's try it. Like, yeah, that's, that's yeah. cool. Let's try it. Like, even if maybe he didn't believe it, he wouldn't have shown me that he didn't believe in the idea. Like, he was yeah. just such a team player in the situation. So forever love Tommy for that. Um, <laughs> and then you all obviously went and got to record with Jack Shirley in, in Oakland, which I know was a really, really big experience for all of you, where I could tell mm-hmm. you all just, like, loved loved being there um now a bunch of years removed what do you when you reflect on recording that record like what do you what do you remember most wow um (laughs) i feel like um i mean i was like starstruck by him (laughs) which is funny because he's like a friend now but i was literally start i remember when we met him uh, and he like gave us a hug. I was like, whoa, like Jack Shirley just gave me a hug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a big Camadre fan and like they go so far back. So it's like a lot of history there. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, we, I think especially working with you, there were so many ways where we were very prepared and then so many ways where we weren't prepared at all. And I think it's, it's a bummer, but I feel like the most, the things that like always stand out to me are the things that like, I wish I could do differently. Classic. Um, yeah. Like I wish I like got to iron out a couple things before it was like recording time, but. Right. Right. No, I feel that the, the one song that I remember, um, 
I sort of was scratching my head about because I, I heard all of the parts, but I wasn't really confident enough to know what to do with it was the song Stray. And then I mm. loved what you all ended up coming up with in the studio and like your vocals in that song during the chorus. Um, is that Mick that's singing with you on that? Right. Yeah. 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 Like you two sound so great together. And I love that you went back and you sort of did this new reimagined version of it, which is still, it's most of the song is still there, but it's sort of you extended yeah. it, extended it. Um, yeah. But that song to me, when I heard what you all did with Jack made me be like, oh, this band is on some other shit. Like this band, <laughs> you're, you're sh that song in general showed me like the potential that you all had that like maybe you didn't even realize you had until you recorded that. Yeah. And the first time I sang, not scream, but just the first time I sang was recording. Yeah. And the first time they, I think the first time any of them heard Stray, heard Stray was when I was recording it. So right. it was all very scary. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I'm like, I wish I could have recorded it better. But it's like the reality is just that it was so new. Like, I don't know. It's amazing that that stuff exists at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean what drew me to ghost was the chorus and your voice in that chorus where like you would hit this specific note during the chorus, which just gave me like extreme, like best, my favorite elements of live through this from hole where I was ah. like, that's exact. <laughs> I was like, you're hitting this exact nerve that are my, that's like my favorite part of anything that happens on that record, which is one of my favorite records of all time. Like me too. <clears throat> and that's, what excited me you know so um what i'm saying is i guess i'm forever excited to hear you know what you all end up continuing to do um i don't know how much you're allowed to talk about and we can maybe <laughs> cut this if, if we need to but like you have now recorded stuff like what's the we don't we we can i will again, tell you everything <laughs> and i will get in trouble <laughs> i'm too excited <laughs> <laughs> okay okay let's, let's let's play let's play um how can we do this to where uh oh you know what this might be a let's let's have a first time ever let's do a first ever podcast first ever situation right now right this is gonna be really fun this is gonna be really fun hold on are you calling trey hold on see now trey's not gonna answer my call i don't suppose this is like a cool friendship call to tell me like you know, you saw a dog that reminded you of me, is it? <laughs> um, this is even better than that, Trey. Um, I'm currently interviewing Christina from Gougeway. Uh Christina, you, you can hear Trey, right? I can. We're about to start. I'm trying to pry into how far into new Gougeway we're allowed to talk about. So what can I actually, what can we actually say um, when it comes to new material from Gouge Away that doesn't get them in trouble. Say whatever the fuck you want, dude. Nothing matters. <laughs> that was the perfect, most perfect Trey response of all time. Okay, I wanted to, I, you know, if I was to be like, hey, have you recorded? And then, you know. Uh, oh, God, no. Yeah, no, talk about whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, no, yeah, fucking A, man, do it. <laughs> okay thank you trey i appreciate it uh I'll, I'll hassle you later on today all right awesome um you're great i'll talk to you soon <laughs> bye trey you're great bye. too that's why he's my favorite <laughs> okay 
Uh, so you've all recorded a new record, right? Yeah. And what is the what is the plan? Like, are you is is it supposed to be a next year situation? Or are you going to be announcing it in the coming months? We are. We don't have a street an announced day yet. Street date yet? Um, but it'll probably be early next year. Early next year. That's so yeah. exciting. That's so exciting. <laughs> How was it this how was it going back and uh and and doing it? Was it was the uh what, did it feel a little more comfortable considering you've already cuz you did it with Jack again, right? We did it with Jack again. So now that you're, you know, maybe less starstruck, uh <laughs> what, was it was it easier this time? Yes, it it was crazy. Um when okay, so I didn't Gaudway broke up in 2020. Um, we had the whole year planned. We were supposed to record, go on all these tours. Obviously, everything got canceled. And I was, like, trying to fix everything. And it was out of my control. And I was like, I, I can't. I, I don't know what to do. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I quit. And we broke up. And uh, we had all these songs demoed like literally in like February 2020 um getting ready to record the album and I was just like I don't care like I'm done with this I'm I'm checked out I'm burnt out I don't want to do it and uh yeah uh you know it just the point is is that this record almost didn't happen at all and then we all got like our own because we were touring together so much from like 2018 to 2019, like taking every tour we were offered every month we were doing something. And then uh, we just got like a couple years to just have a break and take care of our own personal crap and uh, grow a lot in our own individual ways. And um then we we just had these demos just sitting around and everyone would poke at me like once in a while just to be like we should put a song out we should do something and I'd just be like no I don't want to like I, I just couldn't wrap my head around like they're demos so it's like if I wanted to put something out I would want to do these songs justice anyway by actually recording them but I was like I don't want to I just don't want to put the effort in anymore I don't want to like do a whole release yeah. schedule. I, I was like, I don't want to do it. And they kept poking at me for like two years. And then finally I just came around to it somehow. I just like listened to a specific song one day. It's actually, it made it on the record and it's called Dallas because we wrote it in Dallas out of soundcheck. But um, we, I was listening to that song and it like struck a nerve one day and I was just like, okay, guys, <laughs> let's go. Let's do it. just it. got you at the right time. So how, how similar are the songs that were demoed years ago to what was recorded? Like, did they end up getting re reworked at all? Did you add anything differently or are they pretty close to what was demoed? We put so much work in, like once we got things going, it was like, a lot of work but also like so quick it was like we had so much momentum and there's so many songs that got cut and like just off the table we wrote new ones more would get cut like I don't 
we probably wrote like almost 30 songs and oh then God. recorded we we liked we recorded 17 one is just like a experimental thing that's not on the record and one is a cover so we recorded 15 original songs and 11 are going to be on the record so wow a lot of work went into this one. <laughs> Sounds like it. And when you said you had 30 songs, was that including lyrics? Some of them, yeah. Like Res- I respect yeah. for being able to throw those out. That's tough. That's a that's a tough beat because I know yeah. you also take a long time with lyrics too. I do. They they're very important to me. And some of the songs too because I feel like I've grown so much in the last couple of years that I was almost like writing lyrics to songs that I would do it just like get out of my system and be like, I don't really relate to this anymore. I'm going to throw it away and start over. And there's a lot of that. Like some songs are like three sets of lyrics too. Cause I was like, I don't identify with that right now. <laughs> I know exactly what you're feeling. And I know, and I know that feeling a hundred percent. And I mean, I appreciate you being so honest, sharing the the aspect that the band had broken up. I mean, that's sort of like, relates to where this conversation started where i was saying like you know i felt so much for bands like you all because you had been working so fucking hard growing this band and then everything shut down you know Mm -hmm. um so i'm so glad that things did come around and they did wear you down eventually (laughs) to where where you ended up being down to do it but i'm so glad that it wasn't just like they wore you down and then you you know begrudgingly said okay but i'm glad that you got that spark to where you're like now i'm excited to do this again yeah and the decision to do it again was a big one because it's like you know what you're signing up for by saying yes you don't want to get everyone's hopes up for nothing and i think i like thought about it for a day and then I only told Tommy and he's like, we have to tell everyone. And I'm like, I have to, <laughs> let me sleep on it first. <laughs> right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm thrilled. I won't pry any more information. We'll, we'll make sure that uh, album title and all that sort of stuff get, that we can keep that all a secret. But yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think people listening to this podcast will be very excited to know that that's on the horizon, obviously. Uh, the song that you put out, that was obviously from that session? Yep. Yep. It's cool. going to be on the record. But people who are scared that we're not going to write hard songs, they don't have to be scared. <laughs> Amazing. We're, we're Amazing. still doing that, too. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, well, let me hit you with the last question, which is, when was the first time you felt like you were doing the thing you'd been working so hard towards? I honestly think it was recording this new record um being at the studio with jack shirley again i could just see i almost had like outer body experiences the whole time just being like i remember recording with jack before and being so timid and small to now being like way more confident and just like having fun like not being not like beating myself up so much and thinking about what everyone else thinks and all that. And that experience felt like, I feel like I'm becoming the person that I've been wanting to be for this band this whole time. Like it's, I'm finally getting there. (laughs) It's very exciting. And I love to hear that. That's, that's amazing. 
uh christina it's this has been a long time coming and i appreciate your time you are you are easily one of my favorite people that i've met in this weird world and uh yeah <laughs> so thanks for your time yeah thank you And that is our show. Thank you so much to Christina for coming on. Thank you for listening. And thank you to Ryan Rainbow for editing this podcast and making it sound so nice. Appreciate you being here. Reminder, there's a bonus episode available right now. If you head on over to patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon. All right. Take care. Be good. Bye bye.